Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. I'm Dr. Gina, and welcome to Primetime. The fascists hard at work censoring everything that doesn't conform to whatever they deem as truth. President Trump's daughter-in-law, Laura, taped an interview with the 45th president yesterday, but Facebook and Instagram, well, they banned it. And there's already a ban on that content on YouTube. So the video was not able to be shared in any of the more traditional sites online. Luckily, we've been able to get a hold of some of that video, and here is a little of it. People all want to know, and I know you're not ready to answer it yet, but do we have hope that there's a possibility to see Donald Trump run again in 2024? You do have hope. That I can tell you. <laughs> you do have hope. So there is hope, and we will show you a little bit more of that answer later on in the show. So stick around for that, and stick around for the show tomorrow where I will personally talk to President Donald J. Trump and ask him the questions that he has never been asked. And also, you let me know what you'd like me, you would like for me to ask him on my social media at Real Dr. Gina. So don't miss that tomorrow night. 7 p.m. right here. Now, over in San Diego, where I lived for several years before moving to the beautiful free state of Florida, the convention center there in San Diego has been turned into housing for illegal immigrants, specifically for unaccompanied minors. And Fox 5 San Diego is reporting that 80 young illegal immigrants have tested positive for COVID out of the 750 who are there currently. So you can walk across the border with COVID. But the Biden administration is pushing these vaccine passports on legal Americans. Just want to make sure you got that. We're going to ask San Diego radio talk show host Andrea Kay later in the show about all of this and what she's hearing from angry San Diegans. And there is another horrendous border crisis story about a baby being thrown into the Rio Grande by smugglers. And we're going to tell you about that coming up. That's just another tragedy caused by Biden and his border crisis. All right, now we have a fake news alert. Over at CNN, breaking news reporter Devin Cole authored an article on South Dakota Governor Kristi Noem's executive order banning transgender athletes in women's sports. And if you read down into the article, you will see this line. It reads, it is not possible to know a person's gender identity at birth and there is no consensus criteria for signing sex at birth. Okay, and that is reported as actual news at CNN. Just let that sink in. And that's not an opinion column. That is a news column. <laughs> that is accepted as fact at CNN, that you cannot determine a baby's sex at birth. But let me tell you, I have five children, one adopted, and I gave birth to four. And it was pretty clear what gender they were right from the start. So now let's get to some actual real news. It is time to go around America to our hosts and correspondents on the ground. We start out in Denver, Colorado, with the RAV headquarters there with Jessica Rivera. Jessica, go ahead. 
Dr. Gina, just when we thought things could not get any more twisted in America, an upstate New York seven-year-old boy has been charged with rape. And yes, you heard me correctly. A seven-year-old child has been charged with rape in the state of New York. Attorney Anthony Martone says, instinctually, it shouldn't happen to a seven-year-old. I don't think you could even realize what you're doing at seven years old. So I think it's absurd to charge a seven-year-old with rape. They'd have to prove that he actually physically committed this act, which to me, it almost seems to be an impossibility. And since the alleged offender is a child, we cannot find too much information on the incident other than the alleged rape took place on Thanksgiving Day last year. The young boy was taken into police custody. He has since been charged, and that was on March 23rd. With third-degree rape, the child has since been released from police custody and is set to be tried in a family court. We also know that a New York bill, which could change the minimum age for charging a juvenile from age 7 to 12, is currently pending in the New York State legislation. But Dr. Gina, acting Washington, D.C. Police Chief Robert Conti III says that charging the 13- and 15-year-old girls who carjacked dragged and killed an innocent man, 66-year-old immigrant Uber Eats driver the other day, Conti claims charging those teenagers as adults will not bring back the dead man. So Dr. Gina, again, things could not get more twisted in America. That's what I thought. But as you can see from today's story, that is not the case. Back to you. Wow. Wow. Jessica, thank you so much. Let's head out to Washington, D.C. to Sophie Mann. Sophie, go ahead. Hey, Dr. G, update from 2022. Republican Senator Lisa Murkowski, who sometimes votes with Democrats on significant issues and most recently voted to convict President Trump during his last impeachment hearing, is facing a challenger from her own party during the upcoming Senate race in Alaska. Uh, a woman named Kelly Chewbacca, who's the current Alaskan administration commissioner, um, announced her campaign earlier this week. She appears to have the full backing of the former president's innermost circle of political advisors who have hopped on board her effort to unseat Murkowski. That includes former Trump campaign manager Bill Stepien, communications director Tim Murtaugh, as well as a handful of others. Corey Lewandowski spoke with us yesterday about uh, President Trump's new Save America PAC, which he is running, which also will be on board, helping Chewbacca in her efforts to unseat Murkowski. Uh, as we know, the former president has been extremely vocal about his desire to unseat members of the Senate and House GOP, who he feels have been disloyal to him who and the party's best interests, uh, doing things like voting to impeach him in, in the most recent trial and the like. Uh, he said recently, I don't know where other people will be next year, but I know where I will be. Alaska campaigning against a disloyal and very bad senator. That's something that the president told Politico earlier this month. So I'm sure we haven't heard the last of Lisa Murkowski's struggles uh, as 2022 approaches. All right. Thank you so much, Sophie. Now let's head over to Joseph Weber, the news editor at Just the News. He has an update on the Derek Chauvin trial where he is on trial, as we all know, for the murder of George Floyd. Joseph, what's your update? Hello. So the third day of proceedings was sort of dominated or highlighted today by testimony from a young man, 19-year-old named Christopher Martin, who took the counterfeit $20 bill from Floyd when he came into the Cups food store. Um, and we saw this was laced with um, closed circuit television. Like it's interesting to take a side note here that it wasn't your typical grainy 
black and white jittery uh, film it was vivid. We see Floyd come the store into the store and out of the store several times. Uh, he appears nervous, shaky, kind of rocking. Now we'll never know what really was the matter, whether he was concerned about maybe passing counterfeit bill or this speaks to the fact that he was on fentanyl, a lot of it that's already been pointed out in testimony. And we knew that the prosecution was going to do, or excuse me, the defense was going to do one thing. They were going to try to go beyond the 9.29 minute, 29 second film and talk about the totalitarian of evidence. We saw the little bit about today for the first time. We saw what actually happened before that. And the other thing that we see emerging uh, for the defense is to try to talk to some of the people, the first people there, Ron William, who was the first witness, and Danella Frazier, the first video, and now um, Chris Martin, they ask him questions, uh, you know, um, did you get angry with the, with the police officers? William said, you know, he was argumentative about it, but they pointed out that 13 times he called them bums. They asked Ms. Frazier if she became vocal with the police officers as this was going on. She acknowledged that, and they asked Williams, uh, I mean, Christopher Martin today, how bad was it? He said, well, I told my mom, don't even come down here. So what you're really seeing is that I think what the defense is building this case is uh, Chauvin, uh, as the angry crowd uh, got circled him and got closer to him, maybe he panicked, maybe he got you know nervous about this, and this is what they're trying to draw out. The one thing I will point out um, that I took a little bit of research, did a little bit of digging around, uh, Chauvin is only 5'9 or uh, 154 pounds. That's pretty small for a police officer uh, the angry mob or mad, upset, wanting them to get intervene as he tries to subdue Mr. Uh, Floyd. That's all going to be a part of the defense. You can see this is emerging. Whether um, Chauvin will testify, it depends on how long this trial is going to go. And I guess where the defense feels they are as it gets closer to the end. All right. Thank you so much, Joseph. Fascinating. It is. Thank you. All right, coming up, angel mother Marianne Mendoza will react to the horrendous stories from the Biden border crisis. And San Diego radio talk show host Andrea Kay has the latest on the COVID outbreak among illegal immigrants being housed in a San Diego convention center. That's all up next. More Dr. Gina Primetime coming at you. Stick around. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome back to Dr. Gina Primetime. It's another day in the Biden border crisis. And unfortunately, I feel like we might have just a few of these to come. A new poll from Just the News and Scott Rasmussen asks whether people think there is actually a crisis. The question goes like this, which best describes the situation with illegal immigrants crossing the border? 67% said it is a crisis and 15% say it's under control. 18% say they're unsure. One woman, who definitely has every reason to believe this is a crisis, is an angel mom, Marianne Mendoza. Marianne, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me, Gina. Marianne, Texas Rangers rescued a six-month-old 
from the Rio Grande River who was tossed there by smugglers crossing the river. And the baby's mother was also saved during this rescue. Uh, that woman's legs were actually broken by the smugglers. Marianne, illegal immigration isn't some victimless crime. The borders are open and bad people are taking advantage of this. We know about the little nine-year-old girl that drowned. Uh, we know that there are there's a 14-foot section of the wall where today it, it was captured that they were throwing children over this wall. So this is a this is all aside, by the way, from the fact that our own Ben Burkwam reports massive reports of uh, rapes and uh, you know other violent crime against women and children over the border. But the Biden administration doesn't mention anything about this humanitarian portion of the crisis, do they? No, and quite frankly, Gina, they are complicit in human trafficking right now is what's going on. They have blood on their hands for any death that is happening to these migrants. They have encouraged this. Um, they spoke about it all through their campaign. These people were preparing for a Biden administration, and now we see the after effects of that. And the biggest question that I have for the Biden administration is there were over 17,000 unaccompanied minors in their um, possession there at the detention centers. We know that the cartel knows everybody who's coming over the border and has a database, but the, Ameri but the Biden administration knows nothing about who's coming over. Where are these children going? Who will they be placed with? Is this the biggest child trafficking scam happening right under our noses? I mean, this is where my mind is going with this because it is so out of control. Well, one in seven of them in the Biden camps, uh, if you will, uh, you can call them whatever you want. They were kids in cages under Trump. Uh, that's at least what the, the liberals called them. Now, of course, they're something humanitarian. I'm sure they have a different title for them. But Marianne, one in seven of them has COVID, and those numbers are quickly on the rise as this is an extremely contagious uh, disease, and it's spreading to American people, uh, the hotel workers, the humanitarian workers that are in these camps where Biden is storing these children. Um, and yet... There, you know, there is no control on this whatsoever. There's no talk even of sending them back across the border to be cared for on that side of the border. Wouldn't that seem to be a sensible thing to do? President Trump had this completely under control, had it to the point where these people were not encouraged and they weren't making this trip because they knew the borders were closed. They knew we had a president who cared about America, cared about our immigration laws and was fervently, you know, protecting the sovereignty of our country. And this is what we need in the White House. We don't need somebody without a backbone who just opens the borders to everybody. And this is why I've started a fundraising campaign. I have an attorney here in Phoenix. Angel Families is suing the Biden administration for not upholding their oath, for allowing a foreign invasion, for um, aiding and abetting illegal aliens coming into our country and harboring them on taxpayer dollars. And and also, I want the lawsuit is going to include that the Biden administration finished the border wall that was paid for. The only way that that can be stopped, those contractors stopped from what was paid for, is by an act of Congress. This president is overstepping his authority, and he is making America a dangerous place to be. And because COVID's on the downtick here in, in America, and our communities are reopening, what better way to close us back down than to allow an, a foreign invasion of people with all sorts of diseases, not just COVID? What are the other angel moms saying to you who've lost children because of the horrendous policies of the Obama administration prior to Trump? 
what are they saying to you as this administration seems to be not as bad as Obama, but in fact, worse? Well, we have an angel mom, Wendy Corcoran. Her son Pierce was killed um, a few years ago. And the illegal was actually deported prior to their trial. And so the trial happened. He was charged with killing her son. And now you've got a retired attorney working pro bono to get those charges against this illegal dropped so that he's able to apply for asylum under the Biden administration. This is the constant barrage of, of hurt and, and tragedy that is hitting angel families. We do not have an administration or people in DC who care about American victims. And so I encourage people to go to angelfamilies.org, join our lawsuit. If you donate, you become a part of our class action lawsuit to stop this administration from bringing further harm, not only to the people who are traveling here, but also to American citizens. Thank you so much for being with us. Angel mom, Mary Ann Mendoza. Thank you. All right, and uh, now in San Diego, over 80 migrant children out of the total 750 being housed in San Diego at the convention center have now tested positive for COVID. The statistics are quickly on the rise. It was one in 10 that were testing positive. Now it's one in seven, and this is only days later. If I were still living in San Diego, I would be completely outraged that the state is still partially shut down while COVID positive illegal aliens are being sent to the state. Here with me now to discuss San Diego radio talk show host, Andrea Kay. Andrea, thank you for being here. Thanks for having me, Dr. Gina. And yes, outraged indeed. It's, it's, it, it's almost unfathomable that they would do this to San Diegans. Andrea, I remember, uh, of course, when I lived there and mm -hmm. I had a, a few incidents where I needed to put one of my children uh, in the emergency room in the hospital and they would immediately isolate them because there were so many diseases at that time coming over the border, diseases we hadn't heard from in decades, heard, heard about in decades. Um, and so they would isolate uh, one of my children had to stay in isolation for weeks and weeks uh, just because if you took your child to the hospital in San Diego, it was just a thing. It was just a fact that your child was going to go into uh, isolation. This was horrible, by the way, for children. My daughter in particular was in her very formative teen years, and she had to spend weeks in the hospital. Uh, she wasn't the one who was endangering anyone, but it was because she was being endangered because we didn't know what all was coming across this border. And this is back to during the Obama administration. That all changed under Trump. You could go to the hospital, everything was fine. You, you could socialize if you were in there for to be treated for something mundane or something uh, routine. Uh, you, you could still see your friends, still see your family, still have somewhat of a social life. And it was all fine. All of that is changing again. And it's not just these diseases that we were worried about under Obama. Now they are taking us back to a year ago with outbreaks of COVID happening all over again. Specifically, um, I believe there are 82 cases out of the 750 illegal immigrant children who have tested positive for COVID. What is, what is the level of outrage there amongst San Diegans? 
Well, the outrage is actually includes everybody here. It, it, the outrage is not just with people who have kids in school, right? Because these these shutdowns that we've had here in San Diego, San Diego County have affected all of us. But you, even if you don't have kids in school, you're you're sitting here and you're going, well, wait a second. How is it, you San Diego school teachers? How is it that you're 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 going down to the convention center to educate illegals? And by the way, I feel like it's important for us to accurately accurately describe who's coming here because they're universally being called kids to me a kid is somebody who's like eight years old these these by and large are teenagers and they were specifically invited here into san diego and i'll get to that in a minute but when it comes to coronavirus uh we're being told today dr gina as the outrage grew that we were had illegals being brought here while our schools were shut down while san diego is still in the second most restricted counties in california People are being broken uh, economically here. Children, uh, substance abuse, and all kinds of uh, domestic issues and suicides rising. Now, with our schools still closed, we got teachers going down to the convention center when the case rates down there at nine percent compared to San Diego County at one percent. And so the so the taxpayers, uh, so then the teachers unions are like, well, wait a second, don't worry about it. They're they're sacrificing their vacation. They're just using their vacation time, Gina. It's not really taking anything away from the taxpayers but what about the risk of covid that was the excuse that they had for a year how can you expect us to go to school and risk our health so one of the things that many americans are starting to talk about is how is it that joe biden can with any credibility go before the american people and say if everybody gets vaccinated if everybody still wears a mask if everybody distance maybe then i'll let you out of your house for a barbecue while he's got the borders open and this crap happened in our convention center. So many Americans are like, you know what? We're not buying this panic push anymore on the COVID. Open everything up, especially our schools. Well, and, and we're hearing all about this on the national news. This is no small thing. And if you think, well, this is just happening to Californians um, and California is a bad place to live. Everyone's fleeing anyway. Um, it's coming soon to a city near you because this will soon be happening on, in all border cities. There's no doubt about that. Um, Andrea, is there any sort of pushback from the teachers? Is there, is there any sort of action happening on this or are people just laying down for this? Are the teachers just doing it? Well, the teachers are going along with it because most of them are okay with all of this. They've been in on it. They know that the teachers unions, not just in San Diego, but L.A., have been exploiting coronavirus like all the Democrat governors have for power. I mean, their list of demands to reopen the schools didn't have anything to do with coronavirus. It was about Black Lives Matter demands and universal income and social justice warrior stuff. And so um, they, the, now they're kind of scrambling because they're realizing, like I said, that it's hard for them to convince Americans to stay shut in their homes here in San Diego uh, when the case rate is so much lower than what we've got in the convention center with the schools, you know, uh, still shut down. They're scrambling here like Jen Psaki was scrambling to try to answer this question at a press conference. It's not adding up. But what concerns me, Dr. Gina, is that we don't have enough uh, average American citizens pushing back, gathering together and saying enough is enough. We need to reopen this country and, and, we, and while we're reopening this country, we need to be sealing the border. Yeah, absolutely. I uh, don't see that happening with this administration right now. But I, I wonder if people are, um, you know, thinking, rethinking this uh, election choice, if they believe it was a legitimate election, if they're rethinking it. Anyway, Andrea Kay, we're out of time, but thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. Coming up, Joe Biden has just unveiled his 
massive infrastructure spending plan, but he has to pay for all of this somehow. Economist Steve Moore up next with a warning for all business owners. Stick around. That's next right here on Dr. Gina Primetime. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Welcome back to Dr. Gina Primetime. Biden came to the podium today, and no, he did not take questions, in case you were wondering, but you probably weren't. But he did read from the teleprompter, and he did tell us all of his big plans to spend $2.5 trillion of your money on infrastructure, and he talked a little bit about how he plans to tax us to death to pay for it. But don't worry, Biden's only coming after businesses and uh, rich Americans, or so he says. Now on over at CNBC, there's this headline, Business World Divided on Whether to Fight Corporate Tax Hike in Biden's Infrastructure Plan. So, will big business stick to Biden's side? Here with me now to discuss one of the greatest economic minds out there, Steve Moore. Steve, great to see you. Great to see you, too. By the way, I think you may be right that these big corporations may cave in. I mean, last week, the uh, American Petroleum Institute caved in to these Biden demands for a carbon tax. It's like, tax me more. That's what the businesses are saying. They're not exactly representing their shareholders or their consumers. But, uh, you know, this is a strange world we're living in right now. It is just an upside down, backward, inside out (laughs) dystopia right now. Uh, When Biden announced his big plans today to spend more money in one infrastructure plan than most administrations actually spend in eight entire years, uh, Steve, I heard him say uh, he wants to buy American. What an original concept. Uh, (laughs) As if that makes, yeah. Yeah, that was Trump. Go ahead. Yeah, that, that was Trump's idea. But does that does that make it OK? Because I think we all know this is not going to end up being a pro-American thing, is it? No. Look, first of all, uh, Gina, let's not even uh, call this a uh, an infrastructure bill. It's like, remember when they passed the one point nine trillion dollar bill and only like 10 percent of it had anything to do with covid. They called it a covid relief bill, but it was right. really just a massive, you know, Bernie Sanders social welfare uh, spending bill. That's exactly what this is. You know, I haven't got the final numbers yet, but most of the money is not for infrastructure, like roads, bridges, airports, ports, the kind of things that do need upgrading. By the way, don't, we don't need government to do that. That can be done by the private sector and should be done by the states. There's no reason why somebody in California should have to pay for the New York subway system. That doesn't make any sense. But the um, but this is green energy. This is the Green New Deal. Remember that one? AOC. That all of the Green New Deal stuff is shoved in this bill and they're calling it infrastructure. By the way, Gina, do you remember Solyndra? Of course. Yeah, that was $500 million uh, that we wasted over 500, like $550 million uh, of loan guarantees to the solar company under under Obama Biden. And we never never generated any power. Right. It was just money that was flushed down the drain. Well, this is going to be like 100 cylinders. I mean, we're just going to spend all this money on solar and wind power and all these 
things and that these these uh, people are going to laugh all the way to the bank but we're not going to we're not going to stop using our uh, our uh, fossil fuels so it's also a big giveaway to the unions all of these projects um, Gina will have to be use union labor so you know the AFL CEO comes big into this um, there's money for daycare centers there's it's I mean they have this new term if you heard about this one social infrastructure social infrastructure and I, I asked my friend who works in the Biden administration what does that even mean it's like well it's like Medicaid and healthcare, and I'm like, how is that infrastructure? <laughs> we think of infrastructure as being bricks and mortar and building roads and things. So they've they've expanded this term, you know, to, to include entitlements. So it's really about payoff for leftist friends of Democrats who, uh, and that really might explain, Steve, the whole phenomenon of some of these companies forgetting about their stockholders and uh, being happy to go along with some of this. But what I'm seeing out there in some of the financial By the way, we call uh, that, papers. We call, the stock, we call that the Stockholm syndrome, like, you know, when you're a prisoner and you start loving the guards that are, you know, taking advantage of you. I mean, it really is. It's classic. And, and the, the business community doesn't know what to do. And we need to, as conservatives, stand up. To the, I don't care if, what the corporations say. We don't want to add the, the tax rate to American companies because then, the, then they're going to move the factories abroad. They're going to move them out of here. They'll move to Mexico. They'll move to China. The big winner in this bill, Gina, is China. China is the big winner. They're laughing, as Trump would say, they're laughing behind our back. We're wasting all this money. We had $1 trillion in the pipeline before um, uh, Biden came in. Remember, that was the money from the COVID relief bill that Trump signed uh, right before he left office. Then they added $1.9 trillion on top of that. So that's, if my math is right, that's $2.9 trillion. Now they want $2.5 trillion on this bill. So we're like getting, it's over $5 trillion. I mean, these numbers are, as you said, they're spending more in one year than most administrations spend in eight years. Yeah, and, and you know, Steve, even in some of the papers, uh, news outlets that uh, traditionally take the side of the left, they're, they're predicting a stock market correction because of this particular bill. Explain to us how that works. Well, look, I, I think actually this economy is, is really teed up for an explosive expansion. And it has nothing to do with Biden, Gina. As you know, it's because of two uh, three words, Operation Warp Speed, right? The the yeah. vaccine is the, that's why we don't need all this money, Gina. It's, it's so frustrating as an economist. that When we get this vaccine out there, which I have to get, you know, Trump, was the one who got the vaccine. Biden's doing a pretty good job of, of distributing it. When we get this out there to everybody, the businesses will open up, the schools will be open up, churches, you know, and people will get back to normal. They'll start spending. I think we're going to have a blockbuster second half of this year, not because of all the spending, because of the businesses reopening. The problem is you get a, what I call a hangover effect from all this debt and borrowing and spending. And, you know, it's like if you drink four margaritas, it feels great that night, and then you can't get up the next morning, right? That's what we're doing to our economy. And what does this really mean, though, for the average American family? What, what is going to be the impact uh, on, you know, average, you know, 2.2 kid family, Joe Sixpack, if he's not a union member, or let's just say even if he is? I mean, because usually, even when the unions get the sweet deals, it doesn't actually pay off for the rank and file member. It pays off for the union bosses, but they tend to cash in well while the union member gets kind of lost in the dust. 
Yeah, well, of course, half of the union bosses are in jail right now because they're so corrupt. But but you're right. I mean, it, it is it does go to the union bosses. But look, for the average person, this is not complicated, Gina. It really isn't. Everyone knows that you can't borrow and borrow and borrow on you know endlessly. It, it, that that story never has a happy ending. We, there was a big story in the Wall Street Journal today about how Biden's economic philosophy is one of that government is just going to do everything for us, right? Got big government is going to solve all of our problems, and you know this is this is the Cuba, you know, Sandinista, Venezuela, Hugo Chavez solution to our problems. And I think most Americans instinctively know: look, a, a great country has to pay its bills. It, what, what happens when China stops buying our bonds, Gina? I mean. Who's going to buy all these trillions of dollars of bonds? I mean, and that's a great question. <laughs> I have, I have a, a curveball I want to throw you because I know nobody told you I was going to ask you about this, but I heard something kind of scary today described to me, and it's this whole concept of the digital dollar. What do you make of this whole idea of the digital dollar, which uh, ostensibly means the government can decide equity in your money. They can decide that you, Steve Moore, have too much money, so your dollar is all of a sudden going to be worth just 0.75 of a dollar, and uh, you, uh, you, they might feel sorry for you, and they decide to make it more equitable, and they say your dollar all of a sudden is worth 1.50. Uh, that, that is, in a nutshell, the way I understand that. Can you explain it to us if I'm wrong, and tell me how realistic it is, and do you think this is the way that Joe Biden is going, and what will that really mean? Well, first of all, the taxes are going up on everything. They're going up on, on capital gains taxes. They're increasing the estate taxes. There is uh, the, not just the corporations, Gina, but the small businesses. When we, as you know, I helped write the Trump tax cut. We have a big tax uh, cut in there for the small businesses, the tens of millions of men and women who start businesses. They're the real powerhouses of our economy. They're the big employers. Uh, is those, you know, 65% of workers work for a, a businessman or woman who has less than 100 employees. So the one question I think people have to ask is, how are you going to create more jobs if you're taxing the very businesses that create the jobs? Now, on this point about this digital uh, currency, I've just started hearing about this. Now, I'm on the board of a of a, uh, a cryptocurrency, which is a digital currency, but it's not run by government. And when you have right. these ideas that the government's going to take your money away from you without you know, just by making your digital currency less, this is why people are investing in private currencies, because they don't want the central bankers and the politicians having their hands on their money and taking their money away. Uh, that's why Bitcoin has been going through the roof, Gina, because people don't trust the governments and the central bankers anymore because they're borrowing so much money. How are they going to ever pay it back? It's insane, Steve. I, I just yeah. I can't I can't believe like like we said at the beginning of this how inside out, backward, and upside down everything. Let me just really say one is, last thing. I, I don't run out of time. Yeah, we are we, in one year. When you include this six trillion dollars, we will be borrowing more money to put this in perspective, adjusted for inflation than we borrowed to finance the Revolutionary War, the Civil War, World War One, World War Two, and the Cold War. Think about that. In one year, we're going to be borrowing more to win. Then we won those wars. We're losing this one. So, I mean, Steve, when is it too? When is too much too much? And when does it catch up? The doomsdayers have been saying the spending and borrowing and taxing could catch up for decades. So, when? Tell me so I can change my investment I think, strategy. <laughs> if I knew when, I do think there will be a, a, a big market correction. I do. I don't think, you know, I'm not saying it's going to happen next month or in three months or six months. Sometime in the next two or three years, we will have a 
uh, you know, we'll, we'll have to pay the piper for this. And remember what happened, Gina, in 2008 when the market crashed uh, because of the uh, real estate overinvestment. The, the, the massive overinvestment in government is going to, there is going to be a day we have to pay the piper. I, if I knew exactly when that was going to happen, I'd be very rich. But, but I, I think the economy is good for the next six months or nine months. And then, uh, then we start to see the real negative effects of all this spending and borrowing. Six to nine months. You know who this has to be so frustrating for is Donald Trump. I'm going to ask him about this in my interview with him tomorrow. Well, tell him <laughs> if we had had, you know this, if Donald Trump had been reelected president, which I think he probably was, by the way, if, but if he were in office today, we'd be talking about 10% growth in the second half. And we'd be to see the biggest boom you ever saw. Americans made a big mistake. And I think they're realizing it, by the way, Gina. I think they're, I think most, even some of my Democrat friends, they don't understand why Biden is doing this, why he has moved so far to the left. This is to the left of Bernie Sanders, for goodness sakes. Exactly right. Exactly right. I have, I've, heard, I've heard Donald Trump say that. Stephen Moore, thank you so much for being with us. Okay. Take care, Gina. Good to see you. You too. Coming up, social media sites have censored the interview that Laura Trump did with President Donald Trump yesterday, but we have the video and we are going to show you what the social media censors did not want you to see. That's next, right here on Argentina Primetime. Stay tuned. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Welcome back to Back to Gina Primetime. Laura Trump interviewed President Donald Trump yesterday, but when the video was posted, the social media censors went into hyperdrive and they banned the video. And here is a little bit of what the social media censors did not want you to see. Roll it. People all want to know, and I know you're not ready to answer it yet, but do we have hope that there's a possibility to see Donald Trump run again in 2024? You do have hope. That I can tell you. <laughs> you do have hope. Uh, we love our country, this country. Uh, we all owe a lot to our country, but now we have to help our country. And we were there. We were so, so good. What we did with Iran, what we did with China, mm -hmm. we were all set to do some great things. And then you see what's going on right now. China treated our representatives last week with such, in Alaska, with such mm -hmm. tremendous disrespect. They never talked to me that way. Uh, you look at North Korea. I got along with Kim Jong-un. And for four years, we had no problem. I mean, I was told by President Obama and everybody else that North Korea was our biggest problem. It was, we're going to end up in war with North Korea if that group stayed in. And for four years, we had no problem with North Korea. Now, all of a sudden, you see the problem is starting again. No, we have uh, a great country. We have to help our country. So he says there's hope for another run in 2024. Here with me now to discuss. Amanda Head is here, and Andrea Kay is back with us. Andrea, there's a hope. Kind of exciting stuff. No wonder the media, the social media, big tech giants don't want the uh, patriots to get excited about this, huh? Oh, absolutely. 
absolutely. See, they've, they've got to shut him down because they know a couple of things. They know that uh, we want to have hope that uh, we're going to have him back in the White House. They want to stifle hope. They also want to stifle the MAGA movement because one of the things that they understand is that the MAGA movement, that Trump reflects, the MAGA movement is really about the people, and he reflects the American people, that MAGA is not really about him, and that's really important because if they can take, they, because they're trying to cut off the head of the snake, but what they don't realize really is that the snake is really the American people. And they, but they think that if they can take his communication away, that maybe the, the snake will go away and die off, and that's not the case. Uh, Amanda, how ridiculous is it that social media would censor the former president? They must be really, really afraid he's going to get back in that White House. They're either afraid or stupid. Look, mainstream media, social media, the whole leftist complex is a pimple on the backside of American culture and, and history and society. So they, of all people, should understand that when you cover up a pimple and you don't let it breathe, it gets even worse. And that is Donald Trump. His power is surging right now. And I know that, you know, we've all been talking about 1984 and how, you know, it so much reflects what's happening today. But I have actually been shocked to hear how many people of my generation have not actually read the book. So I thought that I would put my proverbial nerd glasses on and I would read just a passage that is literally exactly Trump. For those who don't know, Emmanuel Goldstein is the uh, antagonist in this, well, pr one of the protagonists in the story, but he, he doesn't exist in the film. He is just a, a symbol of someone who went against Big Brother. And this is what they say about him. Goldstein was hated and despised by everybody, although every day and a thousand times a day on platforms, on the telescreen, in newspapers, in books, the, uh, his theories were refuted, smashed, ridiculed, held up to the general gaze for the pitiful rubbish that they were. In spite of all this, his influence never seemed to grow. He was the commander of a vast shadow army, an underground network of conspirators dedicated to the overthrow of the state. Now, obviously, I am not advocating that there is a coup or any type of violent overthrow, but when you look at what Donald Trump represents and what the administration who's occupying the White House right now represents, there definitely needs to be a change. So I'm very happy that Laura got that answer from him. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so I have the interview uh, with the president tomorrow, and I put out on social media uh, two questions. One is, if you could ask him anything, what would you ask? So I'm going to go first to Andrea. What would you ask him? Um, I would ask him if he regrets uh, cooperating with Burks and going along with Burks and Fauci's re uh, recommendations of the shutdowns. Uh, that's straight to the point. How about you, Amanda? I would ask him if he plans on fixing the personnel issues because in his administration, the only mistake I think he made, and I don't think he'll make it again, are his personnel issues. The people that he hired, he hired people who he thought were going to be loyal to him because he is a loyal person. Uh, but those people ended up stabbing him in the back. So I hope that if he does run in 2024, I hope that there is no longer those personnel issues and it's people who are 100% dedicated to the America First agenda. Hmm. I love those. Those are really good. Um, okay, and then my second question uh, falls on the heels, of course, of what happened with Laura Trump from that interview yesterday. Do you think, um, Andrea, that they'll censor me? And if so, if so, which platforms do you think will censor uh, my interview with Donald Trump tomorrow? Well, I think it's got to be Facebook and Instagram. Now, well, one of the things that was interesting to me is that they banned it under the, vo I guess, the voice recognition. Bans were supposed to be about banning accounts, and now it's about banning voices. 
So that's news to us in terms of terms and conditions. And so I don't, I don't know, maybe, maybe the suggestion might be for Trump to use a British accent or uh, maybe he should, maybe he should do it as, as Bubba Bill Clinton. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I mean, we can joke about it, but to think in the United States of America that we have not only message control, control the message and you control minds, control minds, you control the outcome of elections, right? But we've got this extent of censorship in this country. I think Amanda's the historian here, but I think Churchill said uh, the, uh, the, the um, fascist of today will call themselves the anti-fascist of the future, and this is absolute fascism mm -hmm. going on in the United States of America. So I'm glad you've got multiple platforms, Dr. Gina, because no doubt this interview will be seen no matter how much they don't want anybody to see it. Well, we'll find out how many platforms I have after tomorrow night. Amanda, <laughs> your thoughts on what platforms will ban my interview? I know one platform that won't, and it is the America's Voice app, because it is going to be on there forevermore for people to watch. Um, I think that we should take the offensive on this when it comes to taking down Donald Trump videos. I think that Donald Trump supporters should absolutely flood social media with not only pictures of, or videos of Donald Trump, but voiceover of a Donald Trump impersonator so that it just floods their system and all of their triggers just get absolutely fried. But if we're going to start banning voices, my gosh. I mean, Kamala Harris with her mid-sentence laughs. I, just, I saw someone on social media called Kamala Harris and Joe Biden, uh, Dr. Cackle and Mr. Hyde, H-I-D-E. Um, and it made me spit out my coffee. Um, can, can we ban that voice? That's the one that I really want to be censored off social media because no one wants to hear that. I knew this segment would be so much fun. You guys are the two funniest women in conservative media, and I knew this segment would be so much fun with the two of you. And I should mention while we're on the censorship topic um, that I do believe we're going to run more of that Laura Trump interview on this network, um, especially over the weekend. And also, I wanted to say uh, that CloudHub owns their own video uh, machine, video uh, technology. And do you like the way I almost said machine? That didn't date me, nothing will. And, uh, and they are going to have that up by this evening, I believe, that entire interview. So people will be able to post it from CloudHub, uh, from their video technology that they own independently. And it cannot be pulled down so people can go to CloudHub and find it. And I'm on there, at Real Dr. Gina. And all right, it is time for Meme of the Day. Here we see the Twilight Zone commentator in black and white, and he says, imagine, if you will, a world where memes are fact-checked and ballots are not. Amanda, that is pretty much the world we live in right now, and we don't have to imagine a thing, right? Oh my gosh, this is terrifying for a couple reasons for me. My husband made me watch Twilight Zone with him. I'd never watched it before, but he made me watch it along with like the remake of it. It's a terrifying and very, very strange series like Clockwork Orange. It's just completely twisted. Sadly enough, this is not twisted because this is actually true, and that's what makes it funny, but also sad. Also sad. Yes, absolutely. Andrea. Well, yeah, it's sad, but I had to crack up at this because, you know, what's that old saying that the truth is spoken in jest? And yeah, it's like memes are literally being fact-checked, right, with like warning labels over them, but you don't have to check ballots in this country i mean it, it, i mean it, it's it's sad and it's scary but it's also kind of hilarious at the same time to the point to where i think that they're about to to jump the shark 
right, with all this cancel culture and all this fact check of the fact checkers and this and that, uh, the American people are starting to make up their own minds, and that's the good news here. How long do you think, Andrea, uh, before there are so many social media outlets that you know are on the right that people just begin to jump ship off of Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and those that are really censoring us? Well, the more the better. You know, I like a lot of competition. And I think that the good news here is that America is really jumped ship from the legacy media, right? That's what's most important. The American, the average American isn't listening to the fact checkers. They're finding, they're making their decisions for themselves and going around it, right? And the American people, the serious part of that meme is about checking ballots, right? And the American people don't have any confidence right now in this election. Right. And so the American people are not wanting to be fact checked on information anymore. They want to make up their own minds on coronavirus and everything else. And the American people want to be able to exercise their voice based upon all the issues of the day and get out for a free and fair election. And so the American people are like, you know what, we're not on board with all of this crazy stuff that's happening in this country today. We want sanity brought back to brought back to America. And we want to be able to do that as part of fair elections. Absolutely. Amanda Head and Andrea Kay, thank you so much for being here. And I want to have you both back soon because you. you are a blast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. All right, don't forget, please tune in tomorrow, 7 p.m. Tell your friends. You can catch my interview with President 45. That is the 45th President of the United States, Donald J. Trump. Join me on social media at Real Dr. Gina. Let me know what you want me to ask. Maybe I will use your question. And thank you so much to everyone here working overtime on this interview and this show. And uh, that is all of us here at your new home for real news, RAV TV, Real America's Voice, live from Studio 6B, up next with Damon and the crew. Hug your children, love your God, go boldly now and live the truth. 